Hello everyone, uh, welcome to Raptors in the Kitchen. It is the 8th, is it the 8th or the 9th? It's the 8th of the 9th. It's the 8th of the 9th, uh, 2018. Uh, usually you hear Paco Rodriguez messing this bit up, but unfortunately he is indisposed. Uh, and by indisposed I mean he is sitting right next to me yep, playing games. I can, I can see him playing <laughs> Destiny. Right. right there, <laughs> and it looks as rubbish as ever. <laughs> but yeah, um, this is Rabbit in the Kitchen. Uh, I am your co-host, uh, Tommy Vass, and I'm joined with um, Neil McCulloch. How are you? Good afternoon, good evening, good night. Absolutely, Whatever. man. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of cinema viewing the day. Uh, unfortunately, Pac- Paco might chime in every now and then, but we'll wait and see. Um, but mostly it's going to be me and Neil talking about uh, this week's events. But before we get to that, Neil, how has your life been this week? Uh, it's been a bit rubbish actually this week. Same. Um, my, I, my bad knee. To the listeners that don't know, I've got psoriatic arthritis, and it's really bad in my knees. Yeah, you're not calling uh, the hashtag Neil's knee. Neil's knee. <laughs> robot, robot legs for all. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd. See if someone came to me and says there's a robot leg, Neil, gives your bad leg. Well, funny, I'd take it right now. It's funny, funny you mention that, Neil, because um, we were t- I was talking with our, with our good friend and uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Stevie Pollock, and I was talking to him about like what would happen if I won like the Euro Millions. I mean, not just like you know, you win the lottery and it's like, oh, you've won 3.2 million. I mean, these days that's a decent amount, but if you won like stupid money, like you know, like 180 million. You know, like stuff you could just flaunt the shit out of, and it was just, you know, fine. I'm like, yeah, man, I'd look after the boys. And he's like, what would you do? And I says, well, see, Neil, I would just get the world's best doctor and just plank him in front of him and say, or her, and say, could you fix him? Possibly give him Terminator legs. I I, I know the legs I, I want, Tommy. I have seen the legs that I want. Legs? Did you see I've him seen in Terminator Two Judgment Day or Terminator? No, no, in, in real life. Oscar Pistorius' legs. A, no, there's a TED talk. I'll send you the link of it. Of uh, he's a guy that works at MIT. Uh, he used to like climb mountains and stuff like that, but he lost his legs in a, in a mountain climbing accident. But because he's like essentially like the Tony Stark of MIT, he has built his own robot legs Sweet. that work the same way as your normal leg would in terms of. Mm-hmm how it pitches and balances and things like that and the way it works is it's connected to your brain right. so you're working it like a real, right, real it's like leg a, it's, like, it's like a doc thing but not tentacles but legs I get that yeah. right. I get that okay don't send me that man because I'll just look at it feeling sad that I, I can't provide you my Euro millions no it's, it's, it's worth watching because it's a, a really interesting talk it's only like 15 minutes long I mean oh. when's a TED talk ever not interesting I don't know. I've seen some by like artists and musicians where you just kind of go, oh, shut up. A bit self indulgent, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right, so, yeah. But don't get me wrong. If, if I win the lottery, man, I'll, I'll get you the world. But, or the guy, the guy that invented it. If you're listening to this podcast, you want to do us a solid and my friend some robot legs. Me a leg. Give him Give him two legs, man. He's yeah, so, so, yeah, my week's not been brilliant because I've been. Yeah. Uh, very very sore with that uh, however I did manage to get a couple of times uh, albeit quite hobbling around the place 
Uh, I went to a charity football game today. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I saw I saw one thing in the cinema this week because technically I saw the other thing last week. That's fine. That's not a problem. Uh, uh, well, my week's not been great either. Um, I've been up north uh, under sad circumstances, uh, but other than that, I've just been kind of working, watching. I still need to finish Paradise PD. Did you finish that? <laughs> I finished that yesterday. Was it well worth uh, it? I really liked see the first couple of episodes of mm-hmm. it. I really enjoyed them, especially mm-hmm. that. Is uh, it the sex offender song? Yeah, the second episode. Aye. That was one of the best things I've seen in a long time. I was time. like that man. Like when I, I think I said this to your messenger. I was like, I'm all right with this. It's fine. But when that episode started, I was like, that's the one that's going to hook Neil because this is uh, really bloody hilarious. That 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 though for me was the peak joke of the mm-hmm. season. And it's not that it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's just I think a lot of see because of the characters, yeah, a lot of their shtick kind of starts to wear a little thin. Yeah, it, especially the dog. Yeah, it kind of. It it reminds me of when Family Guy started. You're like, right, we get it. It's kind of racy and raunchy, but we're it it's, it doesn't rely on back uh, flashback humor. But it's like we're at a knife edge where at any point this could just be Family Guy. Yeah, it's, it's it kind of is a bit like that. Although they do quite well to have an over an overarching story mm-hmm. that goes through the whole series, uh, which builds up actually quite well. Cool, because they they sowed the seed. For, I mean, I've, I think I'm on ep four, and the seeds are kind of yeah, sowed for that. I'm, I'm, like, yeah, I'm sure. Cool. I'm sure they sow the seed for that at the end of episode one. Okay. Um, so they, they they see it through. That's fine. They, they do kind of see it through, and it leaves it open for the next series. Good, good. I mean, oh. I'm liking I'm liking what I see so far. So I'll go back to that and uh, just fucking raging that Better Call Saul is only one ep a week. It's, it's not it's not fair. It's Why not do fair. people live like that? It's it's fucking exactly. It's like man, we are at a time just now where nobody should be living like that now, especially when things like Game of Thrones is on. You're like, are you kidding? What? I mean, what is this, the 90s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But no, it's been alright. And as I said, seen a bunch of stuff in the cinema. Um, I mean, I, I am, I'm this close. And I'm, <laughs> I'm doing this with my fingers where I'm like this close to informing Cineworld that that blonde guy that's on the trailer, that those trailers really fucking irritates me. And I, I've, I've thought sorted. about it. I've thought about tweeting them a couple of times for that guy. Honestly, he's it's the his, worst. See, he's just so weird because he's he's a really bad actor yep. who really struggles to emote anything. Yeah. So like, see see when he's doing see when he's trying to do excitement, it just looks Can't creepy and weird. Can't do it, man. Or like um, the advert where it's like they've watched the film, so they go to the restaurant after, oh. and he's kind of sitting creepily in the middle, kind of yeah. weird. Barely, barely talking, but, barely moves his mouth, and you're like, yeah. "Are you? Do you even know these people? Or are you just there because the camera's there?" You know. But it also looks like his seat, his seat is shorter than everybody else's, so yeah. he's at a slightly lower level. It's yeah. so weird. It is weird, man. Honestly, like I had a double dose of that today, and I was like, and I messaged you like saying, "Fuck this guy, this fucking guy annoys me." But it's true because you're like, the whole shtick of that thing is, people go to the cinema to enjoy themselves, and <laughs> then 
live in a fantasy and then once it's over they do it all again and he could not look more bored when he delivers the line um, yeah. and after it's all over we do it all again yep. you know and it's like it, it's, it makes if, it sound like it's a chore yeah as if it's like you know it's like an attack as in like you shouldn't do this and I'm like man surely no, honestly, I, I think I might tweet Cindy World saying you need, you need to get get that singing frog back, man. That was that was at least fun. This is bullshit. Oh. This guy sucks, and don't ever hire him. He, he clearly he can't emote, he can't act, and the way he delivers his lines is shit. Have you also noticed as well? His co-stars during the thing are the people that sit next to him when he does. Yeah, and once it's all over, they do it all again. Yeah, and because at one point it does this Jurassic Park kind of thing, and at the lassie like that grabs him and then takes him into safety and then tells him to run. I want to know what her plan is when she's about to face off against a T-Rex because if that advert had her fighting a T-Rex it might save it but it totally doesn't it just has her doing substandard acting They probably just go back to their seats and wait for their next go I know. Because that's her role done But in, In saying that it's not just the cinema, loads of adverts uh suffer from that I mean I can't tell you like when when you're watching Game of Thrones uh, and it's like sponsored by Volvo like on Sky Atlantic and the whole advert is nothing to do with a car and then a car shows up well that's that's because uh, car advertising is about selling you a lifestyle it's not actually about selling you a car uh, because <laughs> it's selling you the lifestyle that you think you should you should have yeah. and that, that having that car is an accessory to having that lifestyle. It's a shame. I remember, like way back in the day, one of my earliest memories of a car advert had uh, Eric Clapton's Layla played it, and it was a car just fucking like skidding about a desert, just looking shit hot. It looked like oh, yeah. that looked like a powerful, cool looking vehicle. Or when, like, you know, those nineties British game shows, like Bruce's Player Cards, right? And it was always like some rover that was like <laughs> the the car that you could win. And then it would cut to the footage of this is what you could win, and it's just some fucking guy in a rover sk- skimming about somebody's land, somebody's like, it's like <laughs> there's a castle in the background or a mansion. And you're like, so this guy's just like driving up and down to this rover. Is this like, like I mean, again, it, I was like, man, I'm captivated at what in this rover, but still, this is crazy. And at the end of the day, it wasn't really selling your lifestyle. It was more just, yeah, this car's fast-ish. <laughs> I, I think it all kind of... It's, the perfume adverts have probably got a lot to do with it. Mm. And that they're, they're the same. They they sell lifestyles. Mm. And they were like the kind of the cool things in late 80s advertising. Mm. So everybody would have jumped on that bandwagon. Well, do you remember Anthony Head's Kenko adverts? Or was it Kenko or Nescafe yeah. adverts from the uh, 80s and 90s? Where uh, there was a story was Nescafe. arc. Yeah, was Nescafe gold blend. And it, uh, yeah, there was, there was a story arc to it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, it's almost like, right, well, in like four months' time, we're going to tune in and see where he's at with this this woman. Four months? They went on for ages, man. Well, I'm actually going to check to see how long they went. They, they went. I think they went on for a long, long time. Yeah, they went on a long time. I tell you an advert that used to really freak me the fuck out. I think it was Panasonic, where it was the animated skeletons. Oh, I remember. That and one. I was like, "Holy shit! Like that's that's fucking that's messing with me big time." And unusually enough, the Mikuns export one. See the guy that was dressed as the you know the sailor guy that's in front of the Mikuns export cans. He used to uh-huh. weird me the fuck out, man. It used to be used to mess with me big time. The gold blend couple, yes, as the adverts were called, 
the original campaign ran for 12 45 seconds and second installments between 1987 and 1993 wow do you say 12 and, minutes and, <laughs> uh, 12 45 seconds 12 45 seconds wow i Fair. knew that went on for years mm. i know six years of that that's mm. mental i don't what my point being is that ads were better back in the day. When you see like a Volvo ad, or it's like you watch an advert and it's got stuff going on, and it's like, oh, this is actually about cabbages, and you're like, really? What the fucking? Where there was no cabbage feature. It's about cabbages. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you an advert that was like spot on. Was the, I think it was Marks and Spencers, and they had um, Fleetwood Mac's Albatross playing over like you see a roast dinner and like oh and like, yeah and like, I remember yep, that this is an yeah. advert because it's the that was, exact, that was food nice, porn yeah nice exactly nice kind yeah. music and I want to eat a turkey right now so yeah kind of want to eat a turkey right now oh sorry man <laughs> well anyway how about we get into some news before you go and eat that turkey aye alright there's not really been a lot this week that's been no. any good so I didn't really research these very well, so it's all in note form. I know, but I we'll we'll muddle. That's my fault. <laughs> we shall muddle through it. Yeah, let's get through it. Uh, biggest news of the week has to be the death of Burt Reynolds. Yeah, uh, yeah. eighty-two years old, heart attack. Good innings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I a lot of folk might say he lived longer than maybe what was expected, given you know his lifestyle as Hollywood kind of. I don't know yeah, but I, I suppose given his time when he went bankrupt and stuff, and he was kind of uh, pre boogie nights, and he was really in this kids. Oh, you might like have seen him doing like episodes of the X Files and things like that. Yeah, good episodes as well. Well, sorry, a good episode of the X Files. Um, did he go bankrupt? Why was that? Just didn't pay the tax. He went, he went, bang, went bankrupt in like I think it was like the eighties, the early eighties. Not early eighties, sorry, the so, late eighties or early nineties. We so, def, definitely went bankrupt. So is that why you did things like Cannibal Run and that, or is it like just, or you just did anything? Cannibal Run's well before that. Cannibal Run's a belter, mate. What the no, fuck are you I'm talking not, about? I'm not, I'm not saying it's not a belter. I'm not saying that at all. And the reason I, I, can't, will, fight the, I will fight you right now. The reason I can't say that is because I've never seen it, but I will watch you it. Never, you never seen Cannibal Run? I've never seen Smokey and the Bandit either. Have you never seen Smokey and the Bandit? Jesus. I know, I'm terrible. Like, to me, Burt Reynolds is Deliverance. <laughs> and that was pre-Dash. What? And then Boogie Burt, Nights. I will, I will give... I will be 100% honest with myself in that Burt Reynolds is in a lot of goth movies, but it's the, it's the kind of Sunday afternoon goth mm -hmm. that you'll quite happily sit and watch, and it's enjoyable fun, but there's no real... Uh, there's nothing to be gained really from watching them, well, other than you've you've had a a fun time. Well, I mean, do you know this for like? Correct me if I'm wrong. If you know this, Smoking the Bandit was like the first film to include a gag reel in the credits. Is that right? Because it's it's well renowned for having a really great gag reel. It was either that or it was Cannonball Run. Right. Whoever one came first. Now, the only other thing I know about Cannonball Run, like a fun fact, is that Jackie Chan's in that film. Like, oh, there's, I, I, Everybody's in the Cannonball Run. There's loads of folk in it. Well, I will, but, uh, I'll watch Cannonball Run and Smoke can, can Get a couple of cans and watch Cannonball Run. It's, you don't you don't have to watch Cannonball Run too though. Oh, it's it, it's alright, but okay. it's. I added Gods of Egypt to my uh, Netflix watch list. Oh though. man, yeah, get, get, like, get 
I might have some whiskeys and watch that thing. Yeah. But, um, get, get your banger and I, watch that. My heart's, my heart's not in it. I've watched a lot it of films movie. today. Well, I say a lot of films. I did a double feature and I don't know. I'll, if I do, I'll report on it. If if not, I will, I will watch it. But just, I, I'm i not saying I'm going to do it tonight. I might do it tonight, but uh, we'll wait and see. Got some wrestling to catch up on. But anyway. I could come over and bake some brownies one day and quite, I'll happily watch God of Egypt again. Super, super legal brownies. <laughs> 100% chocolate. I know. If possibly a sprinkle of nuts. Well, you know, <laughs> if, as long as they're better than uh, the Royal Rumble ones, because they weren't great, but they, I, they, I, they, they did I their worked, job. They did their I job. worked out where I went wrong with that. So. You didn't have caramel or uh, a, wee bit, a wee bit of that. A wee bit of kind of any the extra sweetness, but also something I left in which I should have taken out. Right. Okay. Well, let's so well, Survivor Series is coming up soon, so we'll maybe do that. <laughs> and I'll need to pick that Monday after work. So will I. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, Burt Reynolds. Right. Okay. So we've done, we done Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he's the. He's ex- is he executive producer on the new Halloween? That, and I believe, from what you told me, a composer? Yeah, I believe he might be doing the soundtrack as well. Uh, was is in a new featurette for the new Halloween film, and from this featurette, all the news sites are claiming that John Carpenter says this new Halloween film is the best since the original. Here is is a quote. Okay. This was as good as I've seen seen since we did the first movie. You can read that quote in a couple of ways. In that John Carpenter believes this film is the tits. Fair enough, if that's the case. Another more cynical way of uh, maybe looking at it uh, is that... No, no is that John Carpenter in the past has been very vocal about how much he dislikes the Halloween franchise. Okay. Uh, how the sequels are all garbage. So, to say this was as good as I've seen since we did the first movie mm-hmm. might suggest that he thinks, aye, it's better than the other sequels, but meh, and he might still not be actually that hot on it. I'll be honest with you, man. See, whenever a director says that about either a franchise or something that they have been involved with. I remember when James Cameron said that Terminator Genesis was excellent, and I'm like, now he owns the rights again. I'm like, you contractually had to say that because there's no fucking way that you said that, knowing that that was a marketing ploy. My problem with John Carpenter is he's pretty much given away any kind of licensing. Well, I say given away licensing. Has collected a check for several remakes of his work or sequels so oh, aye, I'm, not, I'm not saying that put it this way because of his track records like oh yeah the fog the remake it's great and I'm like dude you're taking a paycheck I'm not saying that I'm apprehensive that's all I'm going to say but yeah. the trailers have been very positive I, I've liked what I've seen so far I like um the direction they're going in and I think that it's I'm getting slowly excited about it but I I don't want to get too excited about it because even though it, discu- it, it 
basically says the second onwards didn't happen. I still really like Halloween too, and I like the connection. There's a family connection, but at the same time, I'm prepared to like divorce that to watch this film and appreciate it for what it is. You know what I mean? Mm. Do you? I mean, like, let me ask you this. Like, I mean, me and you were talking about possibly watching the Halloween films up to this point, even though it'd be meaningless, but it'd give us something to do. Um, up until the new Halloween, do mm-hmm. you like like any of the other Halloween films apart from one and two? I I don't mind three. I I've never as soon seen as, that. as soon as as soon as I accepted, I think it was the second time I watched it that I accepted that it's it's not a Michael Myers film; it's his own thing. Mm-hmm. I was able to kind of watch it as its own thing mm-hmm. and have no real expectation for it. It's actually all right. It's a, it's a serviceable horror film of its era. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been that long since I've seen four, five, and six mm-hmm. that, to be honest, they all kind of just blend into one. I can understand that. If I remember correctly, the storyline of all of them is Michael escapes, he chips some folk, he gets caught again. But in, mm-hmm. is it six? Is it six? Is it like a little girl or something? Um, no, no, no. Four and five are the way they play out. Four and five is that the wee girl is Laurie Strode's kid, but she had to give her uh-huh. up. So that's how Michael knows that it's like a bloodline. Also, Donald Pleasant's still alive. Which, if you watch the second one, there's no fucking way he would absolutely oh. escape that um, explosion. But he just comes out looking a bit like fucking Harvey Two Face, but he's still mm-hmm. like a badass. The what the, what the what four, five, and six lean into is. It does that shit where it tries to explain Michael Myers's reasoning, and they basically yeah. say that it's a cult is, thing. It's a cult uh, thing that he is part of. The, it's a he was almost summoned by a cult, and that's I right. and I kind of watched it. And I, apart from six, is rubbish. Paul Rudd's in six as well. He plays Tommy, um, the kid that Laurie Strode um, babysat in the first one. So there's that continuation. Oh, okay. But it's it, six is poor. It's a bit of a tenuous link. It is tenuous. Four and five, uh, I enjoy in my own way because I, I watched them as a kid and I, I like the Halloween franchise. H two O's got a kind of special place in my heart because it felt. H two O's okay. H2O is part of that 90s trend of like after Scream and that they just want to rehash like some new uh, sorts of old fra- horror franchises. I didn't mind H2O because H2O kind of gave you a definite event and then Resurrection mm-hmm. happened which is shit and then Rob Zombie decided to be a f- decide to bastardize the whole thing and do his versions quote unquote his versions of the Halloween movies which were terrible and now we've got this one but this one looks like it's been smart in the way it's handled. It looks like a, a nice genre piece. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of hope that this is the last one. But yeah. if, if, if if it makes money, you know, you know, the studios will be chat Because as me and you were talking about um, earlier in the week, the horror franchise is such an easy franchise to make money off of. And we're going to talk about that when we get to The Nun. Mm. But yeah, I kind of I'm looking forward to, it, but I'm I'm reserved. But yeah, I think it, it looks like the last seeing the new trailer that came out last week for it, um, and seeing a lot more of kind of what's 
how it's going to play around the fact that it's Halloween there's a lot of kids on the street kind of thing I quite liked the look of what they were doing with that mm-hmm. I also think from that trailer you get a better kind of grasp of how the film's going to look yep um, there's a lot and, of following Michael Myers and yeah. he's very much prominent in some of the scenes but again mm. it does that really cool but thing even, even, even down to like like the the first one is a low budget uh, horror film of his mm-hmm. of his day. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty. I'm not going to say it looks rubbish because it looks good it's for what it's doing, but it, it's cheap. Horrors. Whereas this is very much, it very much looks like a horror film of now. Yeah, but yeah. not. It doesn't look in that. And this is also probably something that we'll talk about in the nun. Uh, it's not that kind of slick, kind of uh, soulless kind yeah. of direction um, to it. That is that is absolutely correct, and um, I'll, we'll try and remember that as a bullet point when we talk to the nun. Oh, don't don't thing. worry, that is a bullet point for right, me. Right, you've got that written down. <laughs> right, okay. Right, well, yeah. So, um, what was next? What's next in the old news? Uh, do you remember the other week we talked about how the Oscars were introducing a most popular film category? Which probably would have been Black Panther, but yes. Yeah, but it was it was designed so that films like Black Panther, Wonder Woman, uh, Avengers, yeah. Star Wars... It was designed get, to Star get ratings because the Oscar that, ratings that, have been yeah. sinking. Uh, well, the Oscars, of the Academy's kind of said they're not going to do it anymore. Good because it was that, a bunch that of is not going to happen, and it is basically they basically said, yeah, it was due to the backlash. They 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 listened to the fans. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a bunch of bullshit that category. Um, it, it 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 is a step away from being the MTV Movie Awards. You know, what I mean, it's like that is a that's a movie award show that's about popular movies. Yeah, um, that's why that that award show exists. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I'm glad they're not doing it because yeah, kind of cheapened the whole thing. Even though like all awards are meaningless anyway, but they are. But I mean, I you know it's one of those things where uh, I get excited about things like that. You know, I mean, I I like I like them. I indulge in award season. Um, I like and, to see the pretty dresses. Um, uh, no doubt. Um, <laughs> I I never really think about that. I'm more just you know. I, I more like wait to be like raging about the fact that like something that I love is like like last year when like Blade Runner was not nominated for fuck all. I yeah. mean, it just got me angry because Blade Runner twenty forty nine is one of the greatest movies of the last thirty years and is now one of my. It's one of those rare occasions where in my thirties I can say that's one of my favorite films of all time. Mm. I've, I've I've gotten there, whereas I haven't been able to say that for a long time. But anyway, yes, carry on. So they've not they're they're taking it away. Good. Yeah, so they're not doing that. Good. So that's quite good. Yeah, just leave that um, to the movie awards. Uh, Toy Maker and Mattel has said it's uh, introducing a film division, uh, so that it has better control over its like its products, which they're going to make into films, which would include like He Man, Barbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did you hear, I can't think who else Mattel is Polly Pocket um, I don't know if this is owned by Mattel but did you hear that uh, Michael Bay is wanting to take the reins for a Thundercats film he's been attached to do the Thundercats film since 2012 Tommy Vance well, which is what leads us into my next news story oh, which segue. is which is Ryan Reynolds uh, Deadpool yeah 
uh, and loads of other guys working on the film, the Netflix movie Six Underground, mm-hmm. which is being directed by Michael Bay, uh, has come out on Twitter all week having to deny that it's actually a secret live-action Thundercats movie. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I, I very rarely go on Twitter, so I will take your word for it. Um, what have we got next? Apparently, apparently this that is the, the rumor has purely been based on, oh, Michael Bay is supposed to be directing the Thundercats movie for the past six years, and and Ryan Reynolds is there a Netflix show? I mean, uh, Michael Bay needs a new project after Transformers. Yeah. Um, oh, I and um, because I because Michael Bay's got that. Uh, experience of directing Transformers movies and also the screenwriter, some guy called Reese, has wrote, uh, co wrote uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation, so has experience <laughs> of writing toy based movies. Aye. I mean, don't so get it's, wrong. It's dumb. Yeah, dumb. Like, you know, I mean, like G.I. Joe Retaliation. I mean, I already don't know what the plot that was. I just remember enjoying it because it was a. Hour and a half visual feast that I don't care about. I'm trying to remember what the plot of it was. Oh yeah, Channing Tatum's team get killed at the start. Channing Tatum dies at the start. The Rock, the, the Rock. is the guy, and then Bruce Willis is GI Joe. Yeah, he's original Joe, mm-hmm. and it's because uh, Cobra takes over the White House. Oh, and that's right. Have, yeah. They have to get them out. Oh man, I'm totally, John- I totally want to watch that again. And Jonathan Price is now. He's not the president. He's he's like Cobra's kind of eliminated him, but he's still the president. Aye, because he's Artana. That's right. And um, uh, Cobra else? Commander is no longer Joseph Gordon-Levitt. No, Joseph Gordon-Levitt went on to bigger and better things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Cobra Commander hisses, I believe, in this film. That's that's because he was once a man. Yeah, that's right. What? <laughs> uh, um, wow. Oh, if you, if you Great. if you if you want. A fun night, deep dive on the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page of of like original GI Joe lore, like the lore of the cartoons and the toys. It goes batshit mental. I mean, you they're say all snakes. That, but they in saying that, from what Paco's told me, the Spider-Man verse in the cartoons goes batshit mental. So when yeah, in that, doubt, that well. when yeah. in doubt, go batshit mental. Even like with GI Joe, who's just a GI. It's like when he might be involved in some kind of multi-dimensional fucking uh, whatever. Yeah. Also, the the Mortal Kombat lore is also uh, out of this world. I like. I've the, had, no. I've, I've, I've read I've read the page for that a couple of times. Nah, you're all right. it, it amuses me greatly. Uh, nah, um, uh, you say that like me and Paco for a long time like we, we would get nights where me and him would just sit and have a drink and play Mortal Kombat on the PS3 and we would try and complete it with different characters and see their their end game, their end story it would go fucking nuts it's just like oh man it turned yeah. out this guy was actually involved in some kind of massacre and this has happened or this guy ends up being like you know a savior, savior amongst millions, but then he turns bad. It, it, it was, it was. Don't get me wrong. After you beat like Shao Kahn, it was a nice read, but it was, um, it was fucking nuts. It was. Well, yeah, it goes crazy. There you go. Paco <laughs> just chimed in there. Liu Kang goes mental and kills God of Lightning, Runder, uh, Raiden. It's not Raiden. Stop saying Raiden. It's Raiden. Raiden's that guy off of Metal Gear Solid. 
anyway. Um, Metal Gear Solid Two. Ugh, who cares? Well, Actually, I, I, mean, I, I know you care, but I, I, it, that means nothing to me. But fair play. Okay, a couple of quick fire ones. Uh, Fast and Furious Nine is going to start shooting in April 2019. Mm-hmm. I wish it wasn't. Uh, Avengers right. Four has started reshoots. Uh, and Marvel released some photos of Captain Marvel along you. with some plot stuff. Seen you really happy about that. Um, yeah, I, I like the look of it. That's I, my... Yeah, I have. I don't know. I'm not familiar with Captain Marvel in the comics, um, so that's cool, man. Like the fact that you're like, oh, man, this looks really good. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah, it looks proper good. Sweet. Uh, okay, and the last story I have oh, is. Hold on. I'll chime in with something here. Okay, no worries. I will ask you this, Neil, because you're a gamer. How do you feel about Henry Cavill and his oh, yeah. casting in The Witcher Three? When I first Three heard, seasons. when I first heard, because we talked about this a wee while ago, mm-hmm. uh, that he was being considered, I was kind of whole humming it. But see, the more it's kind of sat with me, mm-hmm. I'm actually quite I'm fine about it because I can't think of anybody else that would be better. As long as he doesn't uh, grow weird facial hair that needs to be CGI. Oh no, right? he will. He will get to grow a magnificent beard mm. and a fine matching mustache again. Did Did you like it? Like he had a great mustache, but do you agree with his facial hair in Mission Impossible? Uh, yeah. I. I mean, yeah. I mean, I remember we were <laughs> rating the hair of Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. How would you rate? Uh, Henry Cavill's moustache and beard for Fallout it's a 7 and that is based on the moustache is fantastic it's Mm -hmm. a great piece of face for Clark Gable-esque yeah however he's got he also has a bit of a beard kind of growing as the film goes on it's kind of stubble and I think that if he really should have shaved that for the moustache to truly shine. Okay. And that was Neil's thoughts on Henry Cavill's tails. So, what's the last bit of news you've got, Ben? Uh, the last bit of news revolves around the film The Predator. Oh, that. And so about <laughs> a predator. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so Fox has cut a three-page scene from the upcoming movie The Predator as actor Stephen Wilder Striegel uh, who was was given the role because he's a friend of director Shane Black has been uh, outed as what's the word I'm looking for a registered sex offender a convicted registered sex offender a registered Uh, sex offender how the fuck did that go under the the radar uh, well what happened was uh, Fox is saying that they didn't, they didn't know that this was the case before going in. And it's actually Olivia Munn ratted him out to Fox. Uh, uh, she's, got, she's and, got her history with a big ratner, man. He must be a pal of uh, ratners. Uh, and um, Fox's statement on it essentially said that uh, because of the way that studios are run, and also I think something to do with the law, there's legal limitations that prevent studios from running background checks on actors. Fuck off. In this day and age, they're all out yeah, to, like, that, that's what, that's social what, media. That's bollocks. That, that's, what, that's what I found really weird about that. 
that legally they, apparently they can't run proper background checks. I still don't understand uh, that. How, how can they legally say you're not allowed to do that? Even in your own time, you control yeah. social media. That's mental. So Shane Black then came out and said, and this isn't a quote, I'm paraphrasing now, is that he knew that I had been in legal trouble before. He's a pal. He wanted to help out a friend. Mm, uh, he, believes, he, believes, he believes in second chances. However, as this story has progressed, um, it's come out through legal documents and stuff what the guy actually went to jail for because he did six months in prison. So what was and it? And it was... Uh, he went to jail because he was solicit- soliciting a 14-year-old girl on online oh uh, to start a relationship and trying to get her to come over. So he, he was catfishing a minor. So he There's... was being a predator. Yeah. <laughs> well, is that a really um, big thing? Is actually that it's a documentary? No. Um, no uh, so, the, the... That, so Shane Black has also now come out and said, look, guys... This guy's told me a completely different story. I didn't know any of this, this stuff. This is, me- this is mental. Uh, I feel I feel that I've been used, but I, I apologise to absolutely everybody. This is shit, kind of thing. So, uh, like when you said to me at the start of this, oh, he's a pal. But don't get me wrong. Like you know, pal. Like, he could probably lie to him, but still, uh, holy shit! That I mean, <laughs> and also the predator had like the eighth new trailer. And you're like, I mean, that's cool. This this film is in trouble, big time. <laughs> but yeah, okay. yeah, it's, I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. Oh well. So, so is that is that the so, yeah that, that, that was that. Roundup? That was the news roundup indeed. Sweet. So we've kind of talked about the Halloween trailer already. We did. We did. So um, what else we got? Let's get to from the dark mind of. Paul Feige or Feige uh, Paul Feige or Feige whatever you want to call him. Paul, Mr. Poole from Sabrina the Teenage Witch his version of Gone Girl which this trailer is garbage <laughs> it's, it's so it's garbage the trailer equivalent of waterboarding it reminds it's me of the trailer absolute torture it reminds me of the trailer for um, the girl on the train where it's mas- oh, yeah. it's masking as some kind of great mystery and I like Anna Kendrick I'm like oh Anna Kendrick's in it this must be saying Blake Lively I don't really have an opinion about I mean, like she's never done anything that I've seen that makes I, her, I don't particularly think she's that good to be honest she like I mean she just seems to be like she's done nothing that I've thought of that is outstanding as an actress I, I didn't mind her in the trailer I'll be honest with you I was like alright oh, that's Blake Lively she's flexing a wee bit of muscles here but the content of it you're just like this film is going to be it, it it's setting itself up to be some great mystery and as i'm watching it i'm like right imagine gone girl with all the un, with all the interesting parts cut out it just looks like a fucking 12a diet gone girl bunch of crap i'm like man i don't even care about it I don't care about it. It, it looks like I'm, and the fact that it starts off with from the dark mind of Paul. Fe- I mean, is he even? Do you think he's earned that from the dark mind of Paul Feige? It's kind of that whole from the sick film of Quentin Tarantino. You're like, 
Well, Quentin Tarantino kind of had a bit of levy behind that. What's Paul Feig really done that he's got levy behind? Right no, he tortured. He's he's tortured a bunch of fanboys with a Ghostbusters film. So that was a terrible. That's, film. that's pretty. That's pretty cruel. That was a terrible film. Um, but I'm just like, I don't know why this is part of the marketing because I'm like, this film, and then it's got that like that fun. No, it's it's not from it's not from the dark mind of Paul Feig. <laughs> it's from the darker side of Paul Feig. Oh, I, so it's, it's I I do it, apologize. Yeah. I do apologize. I don't, so it's like you're used to Paul Feig being this kind of guy. Yeah. I don't like want he, yeah, he can make a thriller, right? An interesting yeah. thriller, right? Okay. Um, see it's you so watch he's not it, of course. See, when you watch the trailer, you're like, okay, Anna Kendrick, of course she's been hired to that to be that character. <laughs> Blake Lively, you know, trying to summon her inner Sharon Stone, I guess. And then the film just plays, and then the trailer plays out like this, this big kidnapping, abduction, whatever mystery, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I don't care. I couldn't give a fuck. I, I, I don't care about the outcome of this. I mean, is that... What's your thoughts? I, I think it looks absolutely terrible. I yeah, could not give shit. a shit about this film. Which is the worst thing about it. Um, well, actually, no. Because thankfully, I think it's released when I'm in Mexico, so I wouldn't have to go and see it. Oh man, you'll be eating tortillas out your fucking nuts, but no problem. Because cause that was one of the things that made me angry about it, was that, see if I wasn't on holiday that week, You'd watch I would it. totally have went to it just so I could talk shit about it on here. Well, I I'd hate myself and, for doing it. I will go watch it, and uh, whilst you're basking in the Mexican sun, poolside, eating like the biggest burrito ever, I'll let you know how it is, man. And you know what? Yeah, it will not affect the holiday one way or another. I get I get free Wi-Fi in my room. I should take my laptop and try and escape it. <laughs> maybe, might, maybe, maybe, maybe the maybe the plot twist is she's in Mexico, and that's actually maybe that's why they get a first unit. But that's one of the things about the trailer where you see her doing what looks like nefarious shit, and she's just so unbelievable. Yeah, as that. Yeah, it's like don't take a photograph of me, and then when they say. You don't want to poke around this lassie. She has got like a history, or you know, she she's not what she seems. You're like, I'm not gonna lie. I've not seen anything apart from her walking about with big hats. Yeah. You know, as like I've not seen she. You're not seeing her in any kind of situation, apart from the fact that she might not love her husband, has a child, but who cares? It, like nothing about the trailer makes you care about <clears throat> what's going on mm. at all. So, no, fuck that noise. So that was the trailers of the week. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure I saw something else. But I just can't remember what it was. It was something oh, else shit. on the front of The Nun. No, I seen... Which I, I saw. I seen a trailer. It's got Dom Hal Gleeson. And it's like a haunted house kind of film. It looked like a... Hmm, it, it, it looked that like... That sounds familiar. Yeah, it, it, I can't remember the name of it. But watching it, I was like, well... Because all what as soon I'd even like I was on my phone at the time to you saying this fucking blonde guy in the cine world fucking mm. adverts a fucking dick why the fuck's it and then I just looked up and I was like oh it's Dom Al Gleason because as soon as I heard the voice I'm like oh it's Thingy from Star Wars because he had the same voice and everything and I was like all right so and then I just seen like oh it looks as if it's some kind of haunted house mystery set back in the day. And I'm like, yeah, there's a bunch of visuals here. I don't really know what's going on because I'm too busy 
you know, chastising this untalentless <laughs> piece of wood that's on the fucking cinema adverts. So, yeah, I mean, I, lo- I looked at it, I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah, yeah I totally can't remember what the one that I saw was. Well, let's, well, I'll tell you what, right, <clears throat> me and you both watched The Nun, so we'll leave that till last. Yeah, we'll leave that till last. Right, so what else have you seen this week, man? Uh, I put a wee thing up on the Facebook page the other day I watched Predators I kind of had a real look back oh. I'm not really going to say I'm not really going to say a lot about it go to the Facebook page yeah. you'll see the thoughts I had on it mm. I just I watched it it was better this time than when I watched it 10 years ago so that was that uh, I finally got around to seeing Black Klansman oh um, how was it, man? I, I was wanting to go see it today, but just time-wise, it just didn't fit in my schedule. I kind of, I kind of wish we'd recorded earlier in the week because my thoughts would have been, would have been a bit clearer on it. So I'll give you the gist of what how I kind of feel about it. Please do. Uh, the story is about uh, I'll just get the guy's name, Ron Stallworth. It's actually based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Stallworth. Uh, becomes the first African American police officer in um I was about to say Park County, but that's I'm sure Park County's in South Park. Colorado Springs. Right. Um and it's basically about his rise from he kinda of works in the records room, mm-hmm. he gets sent out on a undercover mission purely based on the fact that he's black. Uh and this leads to him then getting himself involved with running a, an investigation into the local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan mm-hmm. it's all seen in the trailer yeah this is all, this is all in the trailer um, so, he, so him and he recruits Adam Driver uh, and to play like, so they're both playing the same guy so Ron Stallworth yeah, is playing Ron Stallworth on... yeah. yeah. so Ron Stallworth is Ron Stallworth on the phone Adam Driver is Ron Stallworth when he's around the rednecks mm-hmm. uh, and through this it also leads to uh, Stallworth creating a relationship with the black Stallworth mm-hmm. on, over the phone with the head, the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, a Mr... David Duke. Topher Grace himself. Played, this is the best I've ever seen Topher Grace because he fits into that kind of limp-wristed kind of idea of it's this snivelling wee kind of guy who has such delusions of power based on uh, the fact that he's a massive racist. Okay. So I will get this out of the way now. I enjoyed this film. Okay, Tommy, I will keep us going while you're in the toilet, no doubt, taking a smelly poo. Okay, so I enjoyed this film. Um, I think it plays... It plays the serious tone against its very comedic tone in a lot of places very, very well. Uh, I think that the story that it's telling is highly engaging Um, I think the opening maybe 10-15 minutes until we get to the Ku Klux Klan kind of investigation maybe kind of 
I didn't enjoy that as much. It was it kind of just set a plot in motion, but didn't really feel like it was part of the main. It eventually does become part of the main plot, but at the time it didn't feel like that was the thing. Um, I think the script's great. It's well acted. Uh, Adam Driver is really, really good. Um, I'm just getting another couple of names. Uh, John David Washington, who's Black Ron Stallworth, uh-huh. is very, very good. He's got a great kind of a comedic presence. You see that whilst, in the trailer. You absolutely yeah, get that in the trailer. However, whilst remaining very serious at the same time. Good. Um, the, the supporting casts of the Ku Klux Klan members, a lot of them are, they play their roles really well and are actually very convincing in a lot of cases. Um, my, my, I suppose the things that I didn't really like about it was, I think it's quite slowly paced to start with, mm-hmm. uh, which normally isn't a bad thing. Um, I just felt, for me, that kind of opening section, well. Though there's a, an opening segment and then there's the actual story that kind of kicks in right. there's a kind of vignette at the start with a very very good cameo by a very well known left wing actor okay. playing a very very right wing role mm-hmm. which is really which is really funny uh, and a wee bit unsettling in some ways actually um and then kind of you get maybe 10-15 minutes where I didn't really connect to it as much but then once the Ku Klux Klan storyline kicks in that's when it properly kicks into gear cool. and it goes at quite a good place it, uh, everything makes logical sense of, of what happens um, I'll probably cop a bit of flack for this Okay. I don't think it's as good a film as a lot of people think it is I was going to have a get out. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as a get out. And I know a lot of people probably just come back to me going, well, you just don't get it because you're white and you're whatever. Yeah. But no. when I say this, I don't think it's as good a film as what a lot of people say it is, I think it's like get out. I think it's an important film mm-hmm. in terms of the message that it's telling you. Mm. I think it's an important film in that the message of this one isn't so much uh, the, the whole Black Panther thing was always power to the people mm-hmm. this is more power to all people so it should be about working together mm-hmm. which is what happens, you've got the black guy you've got the Jewish guy uh, you've got white cops all working together uh, what I don't like about this film is there's artistic decisions made by Spike Lee which if you've watched enough Spike Lee you'll kind of understand where I'm kind of coming from with that Mm -hmm. and that I'll always I'll always hold Spike Lee in a high regard because he's a true student of filmmaking however whilst he has a good understanding of the technicalities of filmmaking he has 
he has a tendency at times to throw to try and show that to the audience by throwing in like a lot of kind of bit more kind of artistic esoteric style shots okay. which don't really put anything over which don't push the story forward like for instance uh, in this there's shots uh, there's a a Black Panther guy in the town doing a spoken word thing and this is kind of at the start of the film where the guy's giving his speech and it's very kind of blood and thunder all power all people mm-hmm. and as the speech is going on instead of like kind of cutting to the audience it does uh, almost like Bohemian Rhapsody type shots of complete darkness and these faces kind of fade in on top of each other kind right. of thing right like see I would say like it's like how you see me on this video feed just now but the mm-hmm. the, the listeners won't understand that um and it's, it's kind of wee bits and pieces like that what do you mean that I like, think kind of make it a wee bit vitamin it's he made an artistic decision like, to I, like, shine I can, a light on the thing like that, I can kind of I can kind mm-hmm. of I can understand what he's trying to do with the shot mm-hmm. but for me it just didn't resonate okay uh, and then there's kind of some stuff a wee bit later on that I won't go into because it's kind of it becomes kind of story right uh, but, but did you like but it? Yeah, no I liked it I think it's a good film I think it's a film worth watching I think it's a film that has a really strong message that certainly now oh that was the other thing I think um, it plays a lot on what is happening in modern politics. Well, uh, it tries to draw. It draws a lot of comparisons to that. That's something a lot of folk have said about this film. Is the yeah. is, as well as it being like back in the day, it, the, yeah, the everything com- that happens reflects the current yeah. zeitgeist of you know nowadays. There's, there's a few moments in it which I feel felt were dealt with too heavy. It was very heavy handedly. Uh, to a point where there's a certain scene where there's a discussion and about um, how groups like the KKK uh, at, at this time in the film, which I believe was, I can't remember when it was this film, it's like 72 or something like that, okay. um, where the KKK is now trying to call themselves the organisation and are trying to create gain kind of more mainstream credibility right. uh, by denouncing like their 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 racist ways mm-hmm. uh, in order to kind of gain a foothold in politics right. and the kind of joke of the piece and it is a joke a joke is made about how this is now normalising racism and uh, hatred to the point where the normal voter just accepts it. So the joke of it is then uh, once he's once this is no once this is normalised, who knows how far they can go? Maybe right. even lighthouse. And the joke is, well, nobody nobody would be stupid enough to to vote a guy like that in. Yeah, like, and it's what, like yeah, it's like I understand the joke, and the joke is. A fair enough joke, but the way it's delivered in this, he may as well turn to the camera 
with a big thumbs up. Right, I see, I see. And it was just, it was, it was too on the nose. Okay, I, I still, and I just, think... And there's a few jokes like that. No, that's good, man. Like, I, I intend to maybe watch that tomorrow, but no. No, go and see it. It's well, it's well yeah. worth seeing. I do, I, it's on my list of things I want to see. Also, be prepared, the last... Kind of the outro section of that film is pretty brutal. Okay. Will do. Just so you're aware. Appreciate it. Um, okay, so I went and watched uh, Searching. <clears throat> it's uh, a dark, like it's a, it's the film. It's got John Cho in it, and it's the the film. The gimmick is that everything is kind of. The film is presented in a format where everything is on computer screens or mobile phone screens, and it's like you know via FaceTime or some form of social media, and that's it. That the whole thing is though that John Cho's um, daughter um, goes missing, and it's about him and the the tech lead detectives trying to figure out what happened to her. Like uh, I. I I didn't like the trailer. I thought the trailer looked fucking shit. It's like this is just a yeah. film. It's, it's a film that's a gimmick. It's a the gimmick is that it's shot like this, and we're gonna do that and whatever, and it's been done before, and you know, so forth. So I went and watched it, and yeah, immediately the gimmick is established, as in like you know, it's like it's like you know, it's on FaceTime or. It's somebody searching something on a computer screen, or it's uh, footage from a news camera, whatever. Um, the first like couple of minutes of the film kind of plays out like well, it's the first the film that came to my mind was Up, where it plays out showing a family being a family, and then it takes you to a certain point, and it's all done through social media and home video and whatever. So John Cho and his misses they have a daughter and daughter's going up and then the film kind of takes off when the daughter goes missing and I mean the film basically is that is John Joe's daughter goes missing and he is searching through various social media outlets uh, communicating with the officers involved with the case um, through video chat etc etc trying to figure out what happened to his daughter um, I'll be honest man I I was surprised um, I I didn't like the trailer, but the film is actually really good. Once you go over the gimmick, um, the gimmick you kind of settle in quite, you know, you settle in quite comfortably with. Um, it was fine, um, and it, it it had a decent story, a decent thriller. Um, everyone that's in it plays it really well. Um, the problem with me was I got. I was getting really into it and then they fucking lame out in the last five minutes and I'm like fuck he's, he's had such a great opportunity to make this a proper shocking thriller and in the last five minutes you ruined it um, oh, well I'm guessing that must mean they find her in the end uh, I'm not going to say what happens but what I will say as an audience member I was pretty into it and uh, when when the conclusion of the film happens I was like, do you know what man that was a decent little thriller do you know what the problem is, it could have been great had they just pulled the trigger on the last couple of minutes of that film 
but it's definitely worth a watch if you like uh, if you like your kidnapping thrillers check it out um, the other film that I see, uh, what else did you see this, Neil uh, I watched Lady Snowblood Okay, I'm, I'm uh, guessing is that a Japanese samurai it is film? A, it is a Japanese film, yes. <laughs> um, as you know, I'm kind of on my journey through yeah. kind of Asian cinema at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Lady Snowblood is 19, from 1973. Uh, is, has, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Quentin Tarantino uh, has said on numerous occasions that it is the main inspiration for Kill Bill right. to the point where there are shots lifted shot for shot okay. out of Lady Snowblood he has used one of the songs the main theme in fact in Kill, in Kill Bill and there is links between characters in, in both films mm-hmm. but because uh, mainstream audiences wouldn't have seen that it'll be hailed as an original piece of brilliance and he's a genius but yeah carry on yeah um <laughs> So, knowing all that, I kind of went in with a bit trepidation, trepidation that it would be, maybe be not that good, or more so that Shite. it wouldn't be as interesting to me because I've seen a lot of where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't, so that was a good thing. Uh, basically, the story is um, the titular Lady Snowblood is born in a woman's prison because her mother uh, and her mother's partner at the time uh, the partner was brutally murdered by a gang of like thugs and criminals uh, and the mother was held captive for days and brutally raped and then thrown into a women's prison uh, where swearing revenge the woman got pregnant and Hence, Lady Snowblood was born in prison in order to to exact the mother's revenge, who dies on her, who dies on the the birthing table. Right. So, as you can guess, this is a film about a woman who cuts about just looking to murder these people to get revenge for her family. And it's that's all it is. It's a very typical. Uh, kind of I don't want to say Ronan because he's not really a samurai Um, just kind of Japanese revenge tale Uh, almost kind of what I found watching it was how similar it was to likes of spaghetti westerns Okay. and the way that a lot of spaghetti westerns are follow that formula of the hero gets gets a dune at the start, so goes out for bloody revenge. Yeah, yeah. Mm-mm, this is what this is. Okay. It's, uh, it was it's good. It's enjoyable. It's violent. Cool. It's uh, it's very Japanese cinema of its time, where if somebody gets cut by a samurai sword, it's like somebody's got a hose out and there's blood everywhere. Did you say it was early seventies or? Uh, I think it said seventy. As I say, seventy-two there, but I'm saying seventy-two for everything. Seventy-three. <laughs> uh, Seventy-three. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was enjoyable. It's worth a watch. Excellent. You'll, you will get that through Arrow Video if you <clears> wish <throat> to see that, or nefarious ways. <laughs> Fair play. Um, 
and I no, went... <laughs> no, no, nowhere near as good as Legend of the Mountain or A Touch of Zen, but different type of film. I will watch them, but I'm kind of feeding what I'm going to get from those films, but okay. Um, so I went and watched uh, Yardy, uh, Idris Elba's uh, directorial debut, uh, based on the book, and um, it's uh, kind of gangster thriller. It follows the life of uh, D or Dennis in Kingston, Jamaica, and him and his brother. <clears throat> he watches his brother being brutally murdered, and uh, that leads him onto a path of uh, working for a, a gangland boss, and that involves like um, involves like drugs and um, murder and stuff like that. But whilst that, he's also got a family on the go. Um, so I mean that's all in the trailer, but that's what I'll tell you about it. It's it's, it's kind of a it's kind of like a, when I was watching, I was like I was thinking about Goodfellas. I mean, it's not as good as Goodfellas. the trailer. The trailer looked to me like it was a kind of Jamaican Goodfellas. Yeah, it's not as it's nowhere near as good as Goodfellas. But um, I'll, this is it's a very very good um, gangster thriller. Um, I liked the acting in it. I thought the the execution. I thought Idris Elba did really well as as a director. Um, the main problem with the film is that D, the character, goes from Kingston to London, where he is reunited with his wife and their child, and some of the choices of what those characters do, like. Is a bit muddled. I thought it was a bit higgledy piggledy. Um, that might be in the book. I don't know. I've not read it. But there's a couple of decisions that happen where D, as a character, is roaming about, knowing that he's got all this heat on him, and um, just kind of goes about like you know a family man doing what he does and whatever. And uh, watching it, I was like, right, I get the genre of this picture, but at the same time, I'm like, maybe, maybe it's because of like you know different I mean I wasn't I wasn't watching it like I was watching Goodfellas it's more like I'm watching this thinking that if this is a character I don't know why certain things are happening and they're allowed to happen but then in five minutes it's forgotten about you know what I mean mm-hmm. there were certain things about it I just thought it was very higgly piggly um, but as a film yeah very entertaining watch um, very very good like cool uh, really cool soundtrack um, I thought that uh, everybody played their um their part really well. A lot of folk when they watch the trailer they see Stephen Graham like doing his uh, Rasta accent. That don't be put off with that. It plays into the the whole thing where he's kind of Rasta one minute, English one minute and Right, okay. I, I was gonna ask that question. Does it deal with his heritage? Is he actually a Rasta or is he just a widow? Well the thing is it doesn't really deal with it, but there's loads of times where he's been Rasta, then all of a sudden he's English. And then he's Rasta. Oh. And as an audience, I was like, I, I get this character. He's just a coked out fucking whatever, ah. and he's doing what he's doing. It didn't detract from anything, you know. What I mean, it didn't. It didn't. They didn't raise any unusual questions. You just kind of go with the flow because Stephen Graham's a really good actor, and that's what happens. Um, as I said, really, I thought it was really well acted. I just thought that the story arcs of some of the characters was a bit muddled. Other than that, um, yeah, really confident. And well crafted effort from Idris Elba's uh, directorial debut, and yeah, if you like the gangster genre, watch it. It's a, it's a very decent watch. And that brings us to—I don't want to say the film of the week, 
But the <sighs> film but the film that me and Neil both watch, which I guess is the film of the week, is the big release of the week. Yes, yeah, so it's a big release of the so one which will make the most money this week. Yes, and that is yeah. it's off the it's a saddening thing. It's off the conjuring verse and that is the character of the nun as her standalone film. So we didn't watch it together, but me and Neil watched right. the Okay, nun. You, you, you watched it on the Thursday night mm-hmm. and told me how it was rubbish. Mm-hmm. Yet I still, for the sake of content for the show, mm-hmm. strapped up my bad knee, mm-hmm. got out my crutch, took a taxi to the Cineworld, hobbled Jeez. my way up to the screen with my crutch, hobbled my way to my seat, sat down and within 10 minutes of it starting really wished that I could, want, that I could go up the road I, but it was so much of a hassle <laughs> I, I didn't promise I I believe that when you asked I, I said to you you says let me know how it goes I was pretty bloody honest with it so oh no I, you were you but know. it was like even though you'd said that I still had to kind of go yeah so synopsis of the Conjuring verse I'll, I'll try and do this one Neil um, so because of the Conjuring We've spanned a universe because that's what everyone is doing right. with. It's, it's more so because of the Conjuring too. Yeah, because that's where the nun comes out. Of. Yeah, but Annabelle comes from the Conjuring, so basically because of the Conjuring. Oh, you're going full fact, on. Basically, what I'm saying is the Conjuring, two films has spanned. Or they're trying to span a horror franchise, the same way the Mummy did with Tom Cruise, but that is dead in the water. But basically, everyone is trying to do what Marvel's doing. So I heard. Sorry to break in. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody was going to try and restart that. The they Dark probably, Universe. They, they it, was, it, it was like Bloomhouse or somebody was talking about well, it. Bloomhouse, I mean, I'm pretty sure. I know the Warners have the Conjuring verse, but I'm pretty sure I've seen Bloomhouse's name before the Nun, so maybe it's a, a co produced thing. But anyway. Uh, so the point being is this. It, it was one of these studios. Yeah, it, so. The way it was that, Sorry, on you. Who, who, who put out A Quiet Place? Oh, uh, pass. Not sure. I want to say Screen Gems, but I think I'm wrong. No, it wasn't Screen Gems. It's not Platinum Dunes. No. I think that might be Blue House as well. Well, anyway. So, okay, so, so right, let, let's get back on point. So basically, yeah. um, because of the Conjuring movies being successful, um, They've like some of the characters in those films. They've spawned their like like Annabelle and Annabelle creation. So, the nun who appears in the Conjuring two, this is her standalone film. And you get snippets of this in Annabelle creation where they look at a photograph of the nun and you know it's basically trying to set up and connect all the pieces together. But this is the nun's uh, standalone film and it takes takes place in the fifties and. There is crisis in uh, an abbey in Romania uh, where a nun kills herself and people are brought in to investigate it and from Rome. And Rome has tried to decree whether uh, the place is holy or there's foul play and that's it. And then you get the film and it is fucking daft. It's fucking awful, man. It's one of those things it's where... It's so boring. It's like when you watch an 80s slasher film and you see that the slasher film's kind of born in that decade and these rules were made to try and scare audiences 
in 2018 in this kind of film they've learned nothing yeah because... it's, it's, it's weird because like see the opening of the film mm-hmm. the, like, the very opening of the film mm-hmm. it's got a kind of cool hammer horror vibe exactly like, it's got exactly that kind of matte, paint, matte painting kind of mm-hmm. gothic look to it mm-hmm. and then as soon as you get in as soon as you get the there's your initial jump scare death Yep. The film pro film starts proper, and it just goes so far down the toilet. Totally, man. Like, I mean, one of the things that I was really kind of enjoying about the start of this film was, it's been a while since I've seen like a gothic horror film set in like a church or an abbey yeah. or something like that, or involving involving religion. You know, where religion is the set uh, the set piece of the film, and I was like, man, do you know what? I, I, I kind of like this. I like this dark gothic kind of thing that's going for and I think it's Colin Hardy is the director and I'm like you know what man I, I get where he's coming from I get the setup I like the production mm-hmm. design but the script and the characters and it's just so wasted you're just like nobody yeah. cares it's Ev- like, everything is so one dimensional it's so predictable and it's so mm-hmm. boring I mean in the end of the day right it's one of the prestige Predictable, it's boring. Boring. Oh, did you hear? Did your pa- Paco just chimed in there comparing the nun to the prestige? No, what you said. Oh, all right, okay. Um, but yeah, um, it really is. Um, <sighs> it's it's really kind of hard to work. Other than saying it's predictable and boring, there's some times where the director of the film has got the production design down the and the the aesthetic going for him and he's trying to u- he's trying to utilize some decent scares and decent um you know forward thinking but the problem is it gets so repetitive and it is bogged down by this f- horrible script these horrible but, characters that do everything that uh, is so but, bloody but even of even the even the set pieces like the big scare set pieces are so limp and so and mm-hmm. just don't really have any real impact on anything. Yeah. Like I, I'm going to spoil one of them. Let's uh, just spoil it. Like the, the main priest guy, who I could never work out, was he Italian? Was uh, where he was Irish? he from? Was, where was, was he, he from? Was I was he like, from is he Italian, Brooklyn? Scottish, Irish? I don't fucking know. Uh, apparently, in the past, he he's like the he's the exorcist. He gets sent out to do the exorcisms, and one of them's went oh. bad. And demon. apparently, it's the same demon that the, that the nun is somehow, even though the nun's been locked underground for uh, millions yeah, of years. So, the failure of the exorcism is that the boy died a couple of days later. So, when the nun is cutting about the castle at night, uh, he sees her as the boy who died and he follows him outside into this kind of makeshift nun graveyard where you know this exists because you've seen them drag a grave before he gets scared into falling into an open casket which the next time you see him he has been buried alive and the ground is apparently perfect over and over it to the point where his wee nun pal who is it Tysa Formiga I think it's Vera Formiga's sister she looks uh, like her the one that's in an American horror story uh, it's she somehow hears him shouting from six feet under the ground ringing, the bell, ringing, ringing a the wee bell. bell 
bring the wee bell, which is ages away from mm-hmm. where she is, and she has to dig through perfect, perfect ground. They said nothing dug underneath it. We looks at it. It was ridiculous. I mean, like, okay, yeah, uh, we were kind of. Sk- I was skimming by, but do you know what? Let's. No. What you just no. said. I'm. Gonna, uh, let's spoil the fuck out of this, all right? Because this is. It really is ridiculous, an and it shouldn't. Nobody should fucking bother. Okay, so you've got the pre. I mean, let me ask you this, right? At one point, right, Rome, when they send this Irish Scot, who are the where are the fuck he's from, guy, Reverend to Romania, and like oh, also way, like see the see the bit in Rome. Mm-hmm. How weird is it seeing tires? True. <laughs> I, at first I was like I don't think that is tyres from space no, it totally was tyres right okay so that happened right well apart, no, it's not that weird and I'll tell you why because see the director he's best pals with Edgar Wright apparently anyway the point being is this right they send him and then they're like aye there's this English lassie uh, there's this English uh, nun who's not really a nun but she knows the area well so go get her and she'll take <laughs> you there and then at one po- and then when they both go to Romania you're like she's like I've never been here you're like why is she here I've no idea no, why she's she here. says she's never been there before they even yeah. go to Romania. Yeah. You're like, so. And he's like, oh well, yeah. it's Rome, they must uh, know something. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. And then they meet the, the you know, quote unquote French Canadian, where the fuck he's from. Do you know, that was a bit I actually laughed out loud at when, they tell, when he tells them they're French Canadian because as soon as he appeared and you saw him for the first time, mm-hmm. he was singing in French. And I was, I was kind of thinking to myself. It's 1952 in the total backwater of Romania. Why is there a Frenchman? Not only that, right? The amount have, of, they I mean, just, have they just fucked up what the I mean, Romanian don't get accent wrong, right? It's a Hollywood movie, but the way the film starts off with, you're supposed to believe that these people like are Romanian, and there's no subtitles or fuck all. Everyone's like English, Spanish, Hispanic, American, Irish. Yeah, there, there's some there's some really good diversity in this. I, for yeah, partly. a film set in 1952, yeah. Romanian about nuns. Totally, man. And then like, okay, so your your three heroes, who the the French Canadian guy is like, you know, he's 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 kind of like a a sleazy kind of you know comedy sidekick, I guess. Do you know what the? I'll, I'm gonna get to the. Remind me to tell you what the worst fucking line in the film is. And I want to know if you can guess it. So anyway. So, oh god so, 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 they, so they, they get to this creepy castle right where some uh, a nun has hanged herself and they're like I like well you know she's hung herself you know say our prayers all that they go to this creepy castle and then speak to like a mother superior with a veil over her head and can't even see her face and like, I, I she's and, uh, and, Emperor and Palpatine I, I, she's Emperor Palpatine sitting on some fucking throne or whatever and then it's like I can't speak to the nuns because they've taken a vow of silence but you could stay here tonight and they're like I no bother you're like you, 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 really and then French Canadian guy is the only guy that's getting any sense at that point you're like you fucking joking me why the fuck are like you know that there's something going on here no the French Canadian guy takes them to their room and the priest says alright up the road Aye. and he gives that look of oh you're right yeah. why am I going up the road honestly it was <laughs> it was it just and then they, you know, when they need to be together, they split up, and it was just, it was yeah. full of fucking nonsense. And you're just like, there's times where like the nuns appear, and there's like nuns in the corner, and there's nuns at like whatever. And but the thing is, and then all of a sudden, like you know, the father is like sitting there, and he's like, 
Uh, there was this one time where this boy was extra, uh, this boy was possessed. I'm like, well, wonder if this is going to play into it again, which it totally did. Yeah. And then the last, he's like, oh, I'm a clairvoyant. And you're like, well, wonder if that's going to play into it. And the thing is, at no point are you surprised. Everything they, they spoon feed the audience. Yeah, all this absolutely shit. everything is saying. Like, oh, I'm fucking bored because I know all of these beats are coming. One of the big twists in it is, is that all the nuns are dead. Which you know, which you know, as soon as you see the first of this arrow, exactly. Oh fucking hell! I, I was like, I was like, are we still supposed to be wondering if there's nuns in this bloody abbey, even though we've not heard anything, seen anything, or mm-hmm. know what the deal is? I'm like, this film is, and th- th- that was one of the things. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like my stupid shit, you know what I mean, but. This film was patronising the fuck. Like yeah. you're treating your audience like they have no idea what the fuck is going on, and it was. I mean, I like as I said, I think I said to you in the, my messenger uh, was, I didn't hate it, but I was rolling my eyes so much I just wanted to end because it was so. You just knew the way it was going to go. Everything just. Is foreshadowed and spoon fed to you as an audience, and it was bollocks. And I'm, here's, yeah. here's the worst line. Here's the worst line in the film. Again, we're already in spoiler ground, but they need to find a bit a, a, a wee orb that has the blood of Christ in it. Oh it God, they know exactly what I'm. It will close the hole <laughs> to the dimension of wherever the fuck, which is funny because the only reason it opened again was because of the war which is again it's just such a tacked on bunch of bullshit and at one point they find the orb and um, is it they don't worry no, many no, points away no 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 the line is fun possibly French Canadian guy says holy shit and the <sighs> priest turns and says the, the holiest. holiest of shit the, sorry no he goes the holiest of like this yeah. is fucking rank rotten. He also then kind of follows up with the French Canadian guys. Father, should we not pray? No, there's a time for praying. Aye. He may as well have cocked shotguns. Yeah, and then now there's a time for action. Speaking to our good friend Stevie Pollock, this is what I'm going to throw into there. Is that there's at one point he's got a shotgun and he says, "Why didn't you use the shotgun?" He says, "Well, I need to use. I need to conserve the ammo for." serious uh, emergencies yeah and he's like well that was a serious incident and then there's a wee bit of back and forth and then they go into the catacombs and and at one point as well it lifts a scene out of Insidious 2 where I'm like this is yeah I noticed that as well fucking lazy yeah so lazy and then when the film plays out as it does it was so who cared? I didn't care. I was like, this yeah. is finished yet. This is so boring and Yeah, even even the way they kinda tied it all in at the end. It was shit. It was just it was just rubbish. It, it was, was just so lazy and yeah. tacked on. Yeah. It's that way I'm like, man, honestly he's <laughs> do better. It's like you see if you're gonna decide to do this, you have to do better. Because yeah. there were as I said, I didn't hate the film because there were points of the film I like <coughs> aesthetically. I like the whole hammer horror thing, and there were times. But I, I think even though yeah. they had that kind of aesthetic through most of it, there was a lot of points where 
it became a modern horror film in it, terms of its direction it that and that kind of soulless kind of sheen that it gets. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Well, there was moments that looked like it came out of American Horror Story no, totally. as opposed to a, a big budget Hollywood movie. And I know this sounds petty, but there's times where I'm like, man, it's supposed to be in the 50s, but see the lassie it's not really a nun. She put a lot of makeup. Yeah. Because I'm like, also, I petty, but I'm like, can we, why be authentic? You know my, what I mean? My, my really petty thing about this film is uh, there's a scene where they've got a radio on and, and it's an English. It's post post war, oh, right? Why? It's post war, nineteen fifty two, Romania. It's and they say themselves that it is the absolute backwater, and you see how kind of remote yep. this place is because yep. see when the French Canadian guy is taking them to the to the monastery, mm-hmm. it's as if it's like it, it's like they're taking the ring to fucking Isengard. <laughs> or actually Rivendale, sorry. Rivendale. Sorry, Come on, man, get your Lord of the Rings ones, Yeah, right? sorry, nerd. Okay. Rivendale. <laughs> it is. It's like they go through a wee it's... bit of town, then it's mountain ranges, and it's like, it just apparently, did, man. apparently yeah. the reason this guy exists, his job, is to take veg, veg and supplies to the, these nuns, and the nuns have a deal with the town, which has gone back for years. The town's miles and miles away. Yeah. It's like, it, it looks like the distance of like Glasgow to Helensburgh at least yeah yeah absolutely it's just again it does that thing like I was speaking to a person uh, a, a friend in work and they were saying like you know would I enjoy it and I says you know what you will enjoy it and they're like do you enjoy it I was like no it was guff and the reason for that is because it does that mainstream horror thing where they introduce a threat and there's scriptures and something to defeat it but ultimately yeah, I, it's like, oh the twist is they don't defeat this because it's it's going to play into the films as we've seen in Conjuring 2 I'm like yeah but you've not I worked, you've not even, worked the problem feel... you've not worked I... you've not worked the, the dots here you have to yeah. you can connect these dots in a really cool shocking way but you have lamed out big time and just done a fucking cliche ridden bunch of bollocks you know what I mean like, apart from a couple of moments where the figure of the nun is kind of creepy looking. Looks very creepy. I like that. Yeah, but see, by the time you kind of reach kind of like the the final act, it and it's them, you don't care. It's, no mystery. it's like it does. It doesn't come across as intimidating anymore. Nope. It looks like a Star Wars character. Yes, yes. It looks like Palpatine's wife. Yeah, <laughs> and it it just it doesn't seem to have. It's it's not as intimidating as you would like it to be but it starts off that way yeah but it just becomes overkill because it's just a creepy entity at the start yeah that's that's fine Mm -hmm. but when it becomes a physical manifestation of evil and all it does is kind of slap folk about it's but i mean kudos to me for me kudos to colin hardy because there's some of the stuff that he really tries visually tries to construct to keep you in and involved but I mean the, the, the it's, script, it's just so it's the just so, so slapdash it doesn't fucking matter you know what I mean it's like I just write any kind of like I'll take us 15 minutes right I right, cool bad done whatever yeah. but yeah but yeah don't go see the, I mean go I mean if you I mean the nun's pretty much I don't I didn't hate it but it's exact. it's what I thought it was going to be I'm just annoyed that it didn't take any chances well I 
randomly when I came out of it, I got I got in the lift and there was a woman in the lift, and she turns to me and says, "You just out the nun." And you know how much I hate dealing with the public. Yeah, you're only talking. So about I, I was kind of taking the band. Uh, uh, I I'm just out, and she was like, "What do you think of it?" I goes, "Well, it was crap," and she was like, "I it was it was dreadful," and I liked all the other ones, but this was rubbish. My partner wouldn't come with me to see it because he doesn't like the scary movies. So I just thought I'd go and see it myself, and I wish I did because it was rubbish. And I was going, "Yes, you are correct." Funny, funnily, you mentioned that man. A lot of the folk coming out there were like, "It was shit." Yeah. And I'm talking about like not your film nerds like me and you ah you're kind of Joe you're, public you're, you're, you're Joe public who like just go and watch the horror films to be scared they yeah. even were like that was shit yeah I think this is I think I would like to think that the public opinion of this will show how bad it is yeah maybe a turning point who knows yeah um, but yeah so don't go watch The Nun man honestly you want to watch it you watch a Honestly, a film just now, if you See, want to watch a horror thrill, go watch Slenderman. Slenderman was actually, actually a way better film. Do you know, uh, randomly, you've just reminded me, I went and saw Slenderman this week. Oh, yeah, so you didn't, um, yeah, you didn't talk about it. Like, you talked about it last week, so I, I wouldn't really go into it as much. But I went and saw it before meeting Paco for dinner, and I, you were correct, that is quite a good film. Uh, I mean, like... For, for a modern horror film... With a really, a really kind of slapdash plot built out of nothing, because the film's essentially a, a kind of mishmash of The Ring and A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep, exactly. Correct. It's a slightly kind of more psychological take on A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, it's like uh, like one of the, the last scene work that I spoke to. She's like, I hate it. It wasn't scary. I'm like. It's not really so. I mean, I could understand someone going to watch that film and wanting to be scared due to jump scares and whatever. But I was like, yeah. it's not really a scary thing. No, it's a, it's, it's a good kind of slow build. Yeah, it's a film. It's, kind it's of more psychological more, tension. Yeah, it's like the horror is in watching folk that the characters go crazy. Because I mean, mm. I remember watching like I said this last week, watching Slender Man. I was like, see all these characters out, they fucking die. And then watching the film, well, right? see, see when you're first introduced to those characters, I wanted them dead. But they were the most that the the, the kooky, kooky cutter kind of American high school American high school teens. Yeah. The one that was this, the kind of goth weirdo yeah. one. You had the slightly kind of suicidal one. Yeah. You had the preppy one totally. that does sports. But what was cool about Slenderman was it wasn't <laughs> just at no point it's a total tease it's like he's trying to drive them insane and that's where the Nightmare mm. on Elm Street thing comes from where the ring is the whole like you know you watch the video and then yeah. that is now a part of your life the Nightmare on Elm Street effort is he doesn't necessarily want to kill you but he, he's got you forever psychologically yeah. and like me you talked about it ended exact. it pulled the trigger and ended the way it should have ended yeah Whereas, it kind of loses it kind of loses its shit a wee bit it does at the end, I, yeah, yeah, it and does. how it presents that ending but it is the correct ending I agree whereas yeah. the nun you're just like nah it's a tacked yeah. on bunch of shit because it's, it's also like compared to the nun like we've talked about how the nun's kind of very workmanlike mm-hmm. because of a lot of issues of it mm-hmm. uh Slenderman is quite well put together. Like uses a lot of really good techniques visually to to try and tell you, give you this 
kind of feeling of impending doom and, and uncomfortable like you, you yeah. watch it and it's like this like flash edits and I'm like sitting there and I'm like this is fucking I'm not scared but I'm uncomfortable yeah and sometimes that's better with a, with a mm-hmm. film a film that presents itself like that much like hereditary it's like I wasn't scared yeah I was uncomfortable it was very kind of similar to that, that. And, yeah nowhere near as good as hereditary Don't, Hered- no. hereditary yep. is still the hotter film to beat this year but or horror thriller but still I was pleasantly surprised by Slenderman see the nun I expected what I, I expected it and it was worse than what I thought what I expected so if hereditary is the horror film to beat mm-hmm. how about mum and dad mum and dad's not a horror film you know it's not don't start mum and then dad what is it mum and dad is the comedy film to beat this year all right okay oh, yeah okay i'll give it you is that the comedy film to beat this year yeah. and it won't be beaten but i'll tell you what i'm very much looking forward to cage's next effort oh big um, mandy oh, oh that man. looks amazing i am very much looking forward to yeah. cage getting caged out as fucking nut and in a surreal nightmare fucking mm. sign me up well that'll do us for this week neil um where can they find us Tommy well, oh, well I'm, 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 at, I'm at Scott J08 mm-hmm. I believe Tommy is at Vast Destruction yep and uh, uh, Paco, is, Paco at, is at Francisco Rodriguez no 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 at, Park, at Paco are UK ah yeah mm-hmm. see he's no bother to put on the show so I didn't care yeah. um, <laughs> so you can find us on Facebook Raps in the Kitchen and you can also find us on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud, SoundCloud. Yeah. yep. I think I was going to say Spotify there, yeah. but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, uh, we were one of the first uh, f- film podcasts to break the uh, Burt Reynolds news, so you know we're reliable. We're on the pulse, so uh, you should. You look got us those. Up hot, you got that. those hot takes. Yeah, just look us up. Look us up for, just for that. And if you know, just <laughs> like, share, subscribe. Um, it's been a pleasure, Neil. It has, yes. Right, and uh, well, Paco RUK will be back next week, we hope. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't want this to sound really mean, Tommy, okay. but as much as I've enjoyed talking to you, to you this evening, I'm quite happy that this is now going to end because this whole time I've had to sit and watch Paco play Destiny 2, but because we're on Skype, the frame rate on Destiny 2 has looked horrific and it's been really weird. Right, so you, you've <laughs> You've been annoyed the fact that you know that Pac was playing. No, no, I'm not annoyed. I'm not annoyed that he's playing it. Right. It's the frame see rate. watching his telly through mm-hmm. the laptop mm-hmm. because it's um, it's, it looks like his his telly's moving slower. Anything, it looks like it's in slow motion. If anything, that speaks volumes. The fact that you have been concentrating on my face, but what are you going to do? Skype is what it is. Um. <laughs> Right, anyway, well, we will catch you next week where we will have seen... Uh, the Predator. <laughs> the Predator, and I was going to say Venom. No, not Venom. Venom's not out for a wee while, right? Uh, but we'll I, think Venom, I think Venom comes out when I'm in Mexico. Oh, well, something you get to avoid. Lucky you. It's like, man, don't hey. watch Venom or eat this big-ass burrito. You're going to eat the burrito. Going to eat the burrito, definitely. Right. 100%. <laughs> Well, anyway, that is Raps of the Kitchen for this week, and we will catch you next week. See you, guys.